0: For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in Parenting with Impact. We are psyched. To have a conversation with Dr. Jean Karocha. Jean and I met at a chat conference, international conference on ADHD, excuse me, a couple of years ago, um, when you came out with a, one of your two fabulous books and um, really wanted us to talk about it. And since then, we have collaborated many times because... You've really put a labor of love into the books you've created and the work you've done, really trying to to pull back and look at the big picture of what is it to treat these complex kids with ADHD and what a providers need to know and what a parents need to know And really like truly, it's it's a life's work that you've done in these books. So we are thrilled to have you in this conversation um, and talk about mental health and complex kids and the world we're living in today. <laughs> Right. (laughs)
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gene, why don't you kick us off by talking a little bit about what you do with families of complex kids and how you ended up doing this work in the first place?
3: Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be back and um, just really uh, appreciate and and respect and honor uh, your work, Diane and Elaine. Thank you for all you do and all of our collaborations. So. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, um, author of two books. I also write original articles that are on my website. I have a lot of resources on my website, and you know, really, what my mission has been has really been to share information in a very user-friendly way for families, parents, and then also providers, and really try to come. At, I've come up with some models and some approaches to evaluate ADHD. And other coexisting conditions and how do you do that in a evidence-based way effectively comprehensively and then how do you treat it so coming up with a treatment model bucketing the different areas and approaches and do that in a comprehensive and evidence-based way so that's what my books and articles are really about is really advancing that information really trying to, to forward that really trying to help people conceptualize the evaluation and the treatment process In user friendly ways.
1: And and what I want to offer to people is, and we'll have information about your books in the show notes. Why is this important? It's important because it's complicated. And this condition is complicated, and a significant number of mental health professionals and medical professionals are not yet well-educated about it. And so I really want to say what your work has done is it's created a framework. Yes, there are standard protocols, but understanding them and knowing what to do with them as a practitioner is a whole different ballgame. And that's really what, what you've made the effort to do and have done really quite beautifully. So we'll, that information will be available for you all. So let's talk about where we are now. We're living in this bizarre, complex world where mental health is at the forefront of of a lot of people's minds. What do you think is important for us to to talk about? Where do you want to guide this conversation?
3: Yeah, wonderful. So current state is uh, we have a lot of challenges. I think we all know that, but let's kind of dig into that a little bit. Child and adolescent mental health has really deteriorated over the past two decades, and then it's gotten even worse and really accelerated during the the pandemic. So there's been a a great increase, unfortunately, a dramatic increase in the rates of adolescent suicide over the past year. And then um, particularly with adolescent suicides, there's been over a 51% increase since 2020. So that's dramatic. That's concerning. That's really sad. There's just more severely depressed and anxious children that are needing higher psychiatric psychological services, in addition to all of the challenges that have been out there. And so it's just really, unfortunately, been a perfect storm. If we go back a little bit, if you're looking at data 20 years ago, there was an increase that was um, shown where so many children were underserved and were having higher rates of of, um, depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicide over the past two decades before COVID. Well, and so, yeah.
1: yeah so that's my question. Is is this a recent phenomenon or are we just aware of it now? Well, Diane, yeah. what were you going to say? What I
3: was going to say is
2: it's not just, and, and I don't want to belittle this because I know we want to talk about um, adolescent and child mental health, but our mental health system is stretched to its limits right now. And yeah. that has some advantages and disadvantages, but yeah, a lot of us are feeling it. And a lot of parents are struggling with
1: that. Right. So so you're saying historically, this has been going on for a couple of decades. Is that yeah. new? Or was that just newly aware of it?
3: Yeah. So, you know, whenever a fascinating topic, you know, and, and this is uh, some of the discussion that's been around autistic uh, spectrum disorders and other conditions, are we better identifying or is there truly an increase or is it both? Or is it both? You know, right. I would really love to say probably it's both. In the zeros, adolescent depression doubled. Uh, suicide rates for kids and uh, individuals ages 10 to 24 went up more than 57% in the zeros to 2018. So there was this whole process that was going on. Uh, I'm going to talk about in a moment. There's just not enough providers and give you a a few stats. And then we hit the pandemic. So let's talk about the pandemic. What happened in the pandemic? A perfect storm happened. What we had is children and adolescents that were in homes with sometimes dysfunctional families complex kids that didn't have families that were maybe understanding them in the best way. So we have a lot of unhealthy dynamics going on at home, and we don't have any release valves. The kids weren't out at school. They weren't socializing. And so a lot of the mental health just imploded because there were a lot of challenges at home. People weren't getting out to get the treatment. Um, Treatment providers were overwhelmed. I'll talk about that. And they didn't have normal school and social outlets to help them as the natural release valves uh, to deal with it. and Not so to mention
2: the fact, so Jane, just to jump in, not to yeah. mention the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is scary. Scary. And a little anxiety producing. Yeah. <laughs> it's this sort of, you know, it, you know, it wasn't just we're locked in our houses with our kids. It's we're locked in our houses and our kids. And we're scared about the reason that we're locked in our houses with our kids.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Is my family going to die? Am I going to die? I mean, big, scary stuff is, are my friends going to die? Is my grandmother going to die? You know, all this Big scary stuff. Absolutely. So a perfect. Well,
1: story. and our kids. I mean, one at one point, my kids looked at us and said, "We don't want to kill our parents." <laughs> right? Like, right. like we're not the only ones worrying about it. Right. 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 So, so we've got a historical problem brewing
3: that comes to a head, if you will. Right. We do, and then we have something called complex kids. Mm -hmm. So to talk about that topic for a while, I know um, Elaine and and Diane are very uh, passionate about this topic. I am too, as Elaine was sharing about my books. I call these individuals children and adolescents with diagnostically complex presentations Elaine calls them something more elegantly complex kids. And whatever you want to call <laughs> they them. They sound
2: pretty fancy. I like it. It sounds fancy. I don't know. I like fancy. Wait, say it again. Diane would like fancy. I like simple. It's like a, say it again, Gene. Say it.
3: Um, children adolescents with diagnostically complex presentations.
1: Diagnostically complex presentations. Yeah, it sounds complex like complex kids.
3: kids. <laughs> I said it was more elegant. Complex kids is more elegant. So we have this, complex topic about complex kids. So what is that? My definition of it is when uh, children and adolescents have more than one condition or disorder, and that includes medical sleep disorders, sensory processing conditions, fetal substance exposure conditions, neurodevelopmental conditions, psychological conditions, and trauma and neglect and attachment disorder conditions. So yeah, it's a lot. And there's, you know, there's about a hundred, probably more than a hundred conditions in there. And they
1: all overlap.
3: (laughs) They all overlap. So I I would love, Elaine, to talk for a moment um, on your podcast about this topic. But one of the the challenges and the soapboxes and things that I'm really passionate about is that people just don't understand complex kids. The part of it is it's hard to identify some of these conditions, which is what I've tried to do in my books and what Elaine has done. And it's trying to talk about it. But it's also another challenge of this is when you have multiple, somebody that has multiple conditions, it's now not just one thing. The sum is greater than the parts. This is its own condition, its own complex presentation that is not just ADHD. It's not just a learning disorder. It's not just a sensory processing condition. It's something else. And when families aren't and providers aren't understanding this collective condition, they're not going to be treating and, and serving uh, the child and the family in the best way. But well, I, I, I know you could share a lot. Both of you. Well,
2: and what I want to jump in on is that, you know, that word complex. I, I hear what you're saying is that it's the multiple diagnoses is part of what makes it even more complex. And what I would say is that a lot of parents with kids with one diagnosis or maybe no diagnoses, but don't quite fit the mold. There's a complexity in that too, that, that we don't, that I don't think everybody appreciates um, if you don't happen to have a kid who's, the language we use, the complex kid.
1: Well, you know, at the end of the day, what, what is a complex kid? It's a kid who's struggling with life, learning, or both. Yep. Some aspects of life or learning or both. And often that's going on because something's going on, you know, in that child, neuro, neuronally, biologically, whatever. Sometimes that's happening because of the environment or the combination of the two. And we're here and the people we work with, we're all just trying to help one family at a time figure that out and figure out how to navigate it. And so maybe that's where I'd like us to move, Gene, is, is from the macro, because you've set the stage really well for what are we dealing with here? Right. And so then, then we kind of narrow in on what do we want parents who are listening to this to know that's important for them to be aware of right now?
3: Okay, Great. So let's talk about that before we address that piece of it. Two quick things. Yeah. Uh, ADHD, which you know, Elaine and Diane and myself are, are very aware of and address is often a foundational disorder. So a lot of families Mm -hmm. don't know that this often coexists with other conditions. And so um, part of my soapbox is that a lot of times providers are just looking at the ADHD. They're missing the other components. Therefore, they're not um, providing a a most comprehensive and best treatment plan. Or or the the other uh, way around. They're dealing with the other issue and missing the underlying ADHD. Absolutely. And so in my book, I talk about there's a whole bunch of conditions that look like ADHD that are misdiagnosed or people are assuming that this is an potential problem. And they can cause potential problems, but it's not true ADHD. So I mean, this gets into the, the diagnostic piece of it. Another part of it is what Elaine said, which is there's just not enough providers out there that are educated or trained or aware. So primary care physicians, pediatricians, nurse practitioners, and many behavioral health specialists themselves just don't understand enough about ADHD and other conditions. And this is very frustrating because families are just going to look to doctors and uh, providers and looking for answers and they're not getting it. And that's very frustrating. And the last thing is, hold that one second, because to their credit, Mm -hmm. it's not
1: included in their education. Like the reason they're not well-informed part of it is because we've had a lot of research in the last 10, 20 years that that's new that we understand now we didn't know 10 years ago, but part of it is that it's not part of the curriculum when they're educated. And so unless they choose to self-select their own learning as a specialty in their learning, they may not be well-informed.
2: Well, that, and to take it a step further, and we were talking to someone um, in another podcast about educators and about how little teachers know and understand right, about right. Of these conditions. I mean, we expect physicians to understand a lot of nuance and detail when if you think about, you know, and, and this is not a slam against pediatricians, because I think they can, they do amazing work in the world, the number of challenges and disorders and diseases and things like that, that they're having to focus in on being able to understand any one of them with a level of detail where they can really roll no. their sleeves with a parent to say, okay, how do, how do you handle this nuanced kiddo? It can be really very challenging.
1: No
3: question.
2: All right. So you had a third point, but
1: thanks for yeah.
2: letting us. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no.
3: There, there's no specialization, certificate, license, degree in ADHD. So to, right. to support your points, if provided, just what you said, Elaine, they, they have to kind of go down their own path and develop their own specialization and they may or may not. We'll come back to that in a moment when, uh, about the tips of finding providers. The last part is uh, there's a fascinating article that came in the Washington Post this past Saturday that talks about some of the topics we're talking about. And there is incredible dearth or lack of providers out there. So not only do we have mental health issues that are um, surging over the past two decades, and over the past year and a half, but we just don't have the infrastructure, which is what Diane was talking about. We don't have the mental health system to provide. So one organization, uh, psychiatrist, child and adolescent national organization said we need four times the amount of psychiatrists that we currently have in the United States, the national social, um, national School psychologists organizations said we need more than twice the amount of school psychologists out there. Um, psychotherapists and psychologists have had a dramatic surge and are just not meeting the needs. So that's another real challenge that we're going to talk about, which is there's just not enough people out there, let alone specialists.
1: So well, and you know, if they are, they so. may or may not be covered by insurance. Yes. <laughs> just well, a whole and, other and conversation.
2: And the other piece, and I want to just kind of highlight some of the research we did, Jean, um, last year, is that parents don't know what they need. Right? It's just sort of you've got a kid who's struggling right. and the information of, well, do I do I get training for me as a parent so that um, I can support my child, which is what we do. at in Impact parents, do I send my kid to a therapist? Do I does my kid need to be diagnosed? Does my kid? Need, you know, it's like all of these things. There's such a dearth of information right. um, out there as well of parents. It's like, what, where do I even start or what do I do? Right.
1: Well, there's information, but it's yeah. not it's not applicable. Right. right? There's information about the conditions, but there's what what do I do with that information that, that is still missing in a lot of right.
3: places? So um what I did is try to, an approach to address what you just said, Diane, which is to write an article, which is on my website now. I'd love for people to check it out if they're interested. And it talks about how to find an ADHD specialist provider, particularly in the United States, but you could probably use this for other countries. So I have some steps, five steps on what to do and how to do all this. Uh, it's not perfect. I'll talk about those in a second. But the first thing to do, as far as how do we address and what are some solutions, is families just need to know some of the things we're talking about. Unfortunately, you're going to have to talk to a, uh, probably a number of providers. It's definitely a persistence game, unfortunately. Be prepared to talk to p- providers that might not get it. That's part of the landscape now. It's not fair, it's not right hopefully things will be better in the future, but that's what it is. So I really encourage people to kind of understand this is a long run, hang in there. Keep talking to people. Keep getting referrals from people. Just keep leapfrogging from one patty to another to keep trying to keep that conversation. And then, of course, the resources can really help. Impact Parenting, uh, the books, websites. There's a lot of information out there. Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming, and people get lost in the ocean of information. But it really is your intention. And if you keep going and don't get beaten down, and it's easy to, you will find a provider. So there is hope. There is so, hope out there. It's a, so, it's a challenge.
1: There. I love what you're saying. We call it the mar- taking a marathon view, right? You, you know, you, you got to look Perfect. like you got to know that you're in this for the long haul. And I'm thinking about a presentation I did at the International Conference on ADHD in 2020. It was a panel with a number of coaches and therapists and we were talking about the difference between coaching and therapy, right? I remember and that. They, that but the universal message that came out of that workshop that every single person spoke to was who, whatever you do, you need to find someone who specializes in this and, under, and really understands ADHD because the number one feature you need in a, in a practitioner is someone who understands the complexity of this condition.
2: Well, and, it doesn't matter who they are, right? Going back to Jean, what you were saying earlier about the comorbidities and the complexities, right? It's just sort of anxiety is another one. We were talking about the levels of fear and anxiety going on in our society right now, the interplay between anxiety and ADHD or those other hundred diagnoses that you talked about that impact executive function gene, the interplay there, you know, a lot of times we don't even know, are we really dealing with ADHD or are we dealing with anxiety and or what is really going on underneath it? Right.
3: Yes, perfect. And, you know, I, I write my books and I'm sure um, I, I know the two of you do this. Anybody that has ADHD is set up to have a certain level of depression, anxiety, if it's not well-treated or managed. The condition itself.
1: If it's not well-treated or managed.
3: Key point. Right, right. Just want to hit that home. Absolutely. And so providers that don't understand this, you know, providers diagnose what they know, right? They like to stay in their lane. So if providers are comfortable with self-esteem issues and anxiety and depression in kids, that's what they're going to see. That's the outer ring of untreated ADHD. So yes, they may have that and that's what it's going to look like, but there's a lot more to it. So that's part of my work, which is going deeper with that. So I know we're uh, just have a little bit more time. Here's a, few points from, <laughs> here's a few points from my article about the five steps that might give some hope and some direction for families. So the first thing is figure out what provider you want. Now, this can be complex, and a lot of people say, well, I have no idea what I want. Well, what you need to do is think about what what do you want. There's basically different types of services. There's the diagnostic services to figure out, do I have ADHD? Do I have another condition? Do I have both? If you've already figured that out and you've worked with a provider and you feel like you have a pretty good understanding of what the conditions or condition you have, then you probably need more treatment and coaching services. If you don't know the diagnostics, if you feel like, gee, there's something missing here, or I'm not, my child is not progressing and nobody can tell me why, I would suspect there's other conditions that are hidden that haven't been detected or addressed. So then I would say it's time for diagnostics. Diagnostics for ADHD are really two different types of things. There are evaluations, which are done on an outpatient basis by therapist, maybe a pediatrician. A lot of them don't, but maybe, maybe a psychiatrist, but a lot of them don't. And they're briefer. They're, they're uh, less comprehensive. They're not full testing, but they're easier to get and they're cheaper to get. So that's the first thing to continue to think about. Do I need an evaluation or do I need a neurodevelopmental or neuropsychological assessment? That's the more complex one. Also that known is- as a psycho-ed- educational evaluation. Um, evals can be done by the school. So sometimes- I'm talking about we ones that. who are done in
1: a psychologist's office because I think it depends on the state, what they sure. do, because not yeah. everybody's going to get a neuropsych if they get a psych evaluation. I guess that's the distinction I'm trying to make.
3: Right, right. And and this can be some of the confusion that different states and different providers call them different things. So yes, right. there's right. Neurobe- they're sometimes called neurobehavioral assessments. There's a lot of, sometimes people call them ADHD assessments. So it sort of depends, but the more comprehensive is a larger battery of tests. Neuropsychologists often do these. Sometimes the clinical psychologists do them. And they're going to be go deeper. And those would be kind of the higher levels. So if you have any concerns about, gee, I have more problems or issues, I want to go for that. The problem with that is there's less providers out there and they're more expensive. So figure, try to figure out those diagnostics. After that, you want an ADHD therapist who specializes in ADHD. I'll talk about that in a second. Or medication from a medication provider or an ADHD coach. Or a special ed, or school advocate, or special education consultant, which provides a different service, or an educational therapist, which provides different service. I'll pause there for a second.
1: We had to pause for, but just because in the interest of time, what I'm thinking sure. is this: it sounds like this article is available for people.
3: Is sure. there a link sure.
1: that we can send them to go find this so that they can really Absolutely. get the full expense of it? Yeah. Yeah, I I sent
3: that to you yesterday. I can send it again today. So um, go ahead and post that. We'll put it Uh, in the show notes. And what's the website where
1: they will find it? How how can they find you? you?
3: you. Yeah. ADHDology.com. So if you go to there and then you go to ADHD resources, I have a section for original articles. I have a whole bunch of links to CHAD and other national organizations that have links of providers. So that's kind of the meat of it. So to talk about that. And then I also in the article talk about what are the types of things you want to say to providers to try to dig in and figure out, you know, are they really an ADHD specialist or are they just saying that, but that's not really where their heart or the majority of their practice is. So
1: ADHDology.com, And we'll have the notes in the show notes. We'll give you the link to the specific article that Gene's talking about. Great. Great. Because I want to be mindful of time. And I know we need to start wrapping it up. And it's
2: okay if people have heard the first two and want to know what the other three are. I yeah, think that's true. Because the one thing you didn't mention, and particularly with ADHD, Jean, is parent training and behavior management. And that's what the services are that we've provided to parents. And that is key and part of recommended treatment for kids with ADHD. And so None of that resource is available at ImpactParents.com. It's a critical part.
3: It's a critical part. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, so is there anything else you want to make sure that our the people listening today take away from this conversation? Like we, we started off saying we're, we're talking about access to mental health. We know that there's a shortage, getting really clear on on what providers you're looking for and making sure they have an expertise Anything else you want to make sure people take away before we wrap?
3: Just a little ray of sunshine of hope that, you know, if you can really take the marathon approach, I've seen many, many parents with many, many stories and they prevail. They just keep going. And we know that the parents have a lot of adversity and challenges, but we also know that so many parents are so dedicated to their kids and they might not, they don't have the clinical language or the training, but they know something's off and they keep going. And there's often kind of a a feeling in your gut when you are find the right person and you're in the right place with the right provider. And it might be the right provider for now, and then you might need a right provider and different types and multiple providers, but that's okay. So keep going, hang in there. You're going to find what you need out there. It just takes some focus. There's a lot of resources, dig in, you know, use Impact Parents and and all the other resources that are out there to to help you with each step of the way. You can do it.
2: Well, and here's the other ray of hope that I'm going to do. And it's interesting because I have this similar conversation in the education realm. But one of the outcomes of what we've been going through the last couple of years is virtual care. And And so that I think about five years ago, talking to parents in remote parts of Nebraska or Hawaii or wherever they were, who just literally couldn't get to anybody, we now are establishing virtual supports in a way that we never have before. And so we're primed in a very different way now than we were two years ago to support parents with access. A range of
1: services, right? right. We have been for 10 years, but a lot of people joined us about a year and a half ago.
3: Yeah. And and I will say from the provider and that it really has been a revolution and virtual is here to stay permanently. There have been laws and we have broken through the barrier. Many providers were very reluctant and didn't believe in video. It's here. It's going nowhere. People love it. It does have some challenges, but it also has greatly improved the accessibility of services. And that's a tremendous thing.
1: Yeah, it really is. Okay, Jean, before we wrap up, you know, we always like to ask our favorite fun final question. Do you have a favorite motto or quote that you want to share with our listeners?
3: I do. I do. I would say um, my motto would be every day, ask yourself, what are you grateful for? Love that.
2: What are you grateful for? Attitude
3: of gratitude. There you go. You got it. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Gene, for being with us today, having this great conversation. And Elaine, do you want to wrap us
1: up? Yeah, to all of you listening, thank you. Thank you for being here, for tuning in, for listening, for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, it's what makes the difference. You make a difference. Take care, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.